You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to today's episode of the podcast. This is episode 102, and we're going to be answering a question that I've been asked uh, many times, and that is, uh, why are you a Republican when the Republicans typically are against helping the poor, like we know that one of the greatest New Testament themes that we learn from Jesus is the importance of taking care of those that are less fortunate, those that are living in poverty. That's an important New Testament theme, and I agree with that. That is very important. And so sometimes people will ask, well, why are you a Republican, right? Aren't they against that? And again, I've been asked this many times, so I do believe that it's worthy of a quality response. Quick side note, while it is true that I have voted mostly Republican in my adult lifetime, uh, there have been a few moments where I actually have voted for a Democrat. Uh, You know, it hasn't happened a bunch, but there have been a few moments where there was a particular Democrat on the ballot running against a particular Republican, and I felt that that particular Democrat better, you know, better represented my values than the Republican did. And so I have on on a a few occasions for uh, for House of Representatives, for Senate, uh, for local elections like mayor or you know state elections. There have been a few moments where I've crossed party lines and and voted for a Democrat. It hasn't happened a bunch, uh, but I want you to know I'm I'm not against all Democrats. I'm not loyal to you know the Republican Party. I don't vote for someone just because they have an R next to their name. I want to vote for whatever candidate I believe best represents the values that I think are important. And I want to encourage everyone to do the same. Don't just vote for a party. Don't just vote blindly. Actually examine the candidates and, and vote for whichever one represents the values uh, that you most cherish. All right, let's continue. I'm going to dive into answering this question. I'm going to give you lots of great information. Also, at the end of this episode, I'm going to give you several resources, several books that you can check out and read if you want to do a lot more study, including I'm going to recommend one book from someone that no doubt would disagree with me in a lot of ways. And so stay tuned to the end of the episode. I'll point some of those resources your way. Okay, in order to answer this question, I think we first need to expose a preconceived notion or a presupposition that I'm not so sure is actually accurate. Whenever people say to me, well, you know, Jesus said, take care of the poor, you shouldn't vote Republican, or why, or they ask, why do you vote Republican? The assumption is that Republicans don't care about the poor. And I don't think there's any actual evidence for that. Um, I think there are probably many Republicans that do care about the poor. And I think there are probably many Democrats that care about the poor. And I bet there are many Republicans that don't care about the poor, and they're wrong. And I bet there's many Democrats that don't care about the poor, and those people are also wrong. Like, this idea that one party cares more than the other, I'm not sure is accurate, because I'm not sure there's any actual evidence to support that. Now, obviously, the, the narrative that has been built over the course of the last 50 to 70 years within the United States is that the Republicans don't care, and that is rooted in a fact that most Republican leadership, not all, but m- many, have been opposed to legislation and policies that would that would provide for you know people living in poverty over the course of a long period of time. But I'm not so sure that it's fair to assume that just because 
a large majority of Republican candidates have opposed those policies, that that means all Republicans don't care. That's an unfair assumption to make, I think, in a lot of ways. In fact, a lot of stats and surveys show that that, re, that the average Republican in the United States actually gives more money to charity overall than Democrats do overall. Some studies show it's just a little bit more. But there's been some studies that show it's it's as high as you know 300% greater. Like that overall, typically the average Republican voter gives away more money than the average Democrat voter. So I'm not so sure that the assumption that Republicans don't care about the poor is is accurate. Now, again, I will admit there are probably lots of Republicans that don't care about the poor at all. And I bet there's lots of Democrats that don't care about the poor at all. And I bet there's lots of Republicans that do care about the poor. And I bet there's lots of Democrats that also do care about the poor. I think we probably see a large contingency on both sides of the aisle. I'm just not sure that making the assumption that one party cares more about the other is actually accurate. The other the other misunderstanding that I think is important to, to, to kind of really clarify before we dive into some of the nuts and bolts is that when the New Testament is commanding us to take care of the poor, remember that those commands are given to Christians and to churches, not to the government, right? When, when the Apostle James is writing his letter, he is not writing his letter to a Roman official. He's writing it to the church. He's telling the church, take care of the orphan and the widows. He's not writing a letter to the emperor of Rome to tell the emperor of Rome to do it. The New Testament commands are to Christians and to churches. The New Testament command is to me individually, and it's to my local church, and it's to Christians as a whole. The individual commands of the New Testament to take care of the poor, those mandates are not for the government. All right, so so it's important to remember, it is, I am not obligated to expect my government to do it. Quite the opposite. I am obligated to be the one that does it. Now, of course, the rebuttal to that for some people, particularly those who are on the left, would say, well, you should do it, you should do it individually and you should vote for candidates that will have the government do it. Why not both? And, and I, t- I disagree with that. And there are a variety of reasons why I think it's dangerous to be promoting government provision and for government to be stepping in and helping those in poverty over the course of a long period of time. And let me make that clear. I think it's long-term provision that is that is very dangerous, right? I think it's perfectly appropriate for for some moments or, or individual moments, you know, in crisis moments or in urgent situations where the government can step in and provide on a limited basis for a short period of time. That's perfectly acceptable. However, it's the long-term provision. It's when the when the government is the long-term solution to helping the poor that I think we run into some serious problems. If we are seeking for the government to provide for the needs of those living in poverty or for the needs of the less fortunate of our society, to provide for those people over a long-term period of time, I think that's not sustainable, and I think there are some substantial downfalls to that. I'm going to quickly give you three reasons why I'm against government stepping in and doing this on a long period of time, and then over the next you know several minutes in this episode, I'll unpack those three. Uh, the number one reason I think the government should not be doing that is I think it's actually hurtful to people living in poverty over the course of a long period of time, right? A lot of the policies that Democrats are promoting of giving people stuff, I think in my opinion, are very short-sighted. Maybe that's helpful to them today. Maybe it's helpful over the next five to 10 years. But over the course of a long period of time, over the course of someone's lifetime or multiple generations of people, the government giving people stuff 
ultimately will hurt the poor people, not help them. I'm going di- to dive into that in just a moment. The second reason is anytime the government is providing, it makes the government bigger and stronger. And world history proves to us 100% of the time that when the government gets too big and too strong, it will always become an oppressive regime. And I don't want that to happen in our nation. And that's the reason why I think we need to make government smaller. The third thing I think that is important, the reason why I have typically voted Republican in a lot of ways, is because I believe that capitalism is the greatest mechanism to serve the most amount of people. The stats show, and I'll point to just a moment, the stats show that more people have been rescued from poverty through capitalism than any other system in the world. And so I want to vote for politicians that are going to expand the free market and make the free market more efficient, not hamper the free market, which again, typically Republicans have been the ones promoting free market you know, principles and free market enterprise. Okay, point number one. When the government helps people in the short term, it typically will end up hurting them in the long term. There are many Democrat candidates and leaders, uh, you know, within the United States and many uh, liberal politicians in Western nations that claim they want to pass these policies because they believe that those policies will help people living in poverty. But all the research that's been done shows that when we actually give away lots of free stuff to a particular group of people, they end up becoming dependent on the person or the organization giving them lots of free stuff. This is this is shown over and over again throughout American history over the last 50 to 70 years as our entitlement programs have grown. And this is actually this is actually shown uh, even more so true around the world. There's actually a phenomenal book that I highly recommend to anyone out there, but particularly if you are a church leader of any kind. There's a book called When Helping Hurts, and what they've done is they've kind of really uh, shown the research and the evidence that proves that much of the charity work that we've done uh, around the world has actually ended up hurting people living in poverty. Uh, the book really talks about how you can give people stuff in the short term on a limited basis, but really the more you give people stuff uh, and the more you provide for people, the more you make them dependent upon you and the more you end up hurting that society as a whole. So check that book out called When Helping Hurts really talks about this in a, in a fabulous way, way better than I can do in, in any short podcast. The second reason why I don't like government stepping in and being the the primary provider over the course of a long period of time is that world history has proven to us over and over and over again that any time a central government grows in its strength and its scope, that inevitably that government will no doubt become an oppressive government to the people in that nation. Let me say that again. Whenever a central government whenever the federal government gets bigger or stronger, in 100% of the cases, that government eventually becomes oppressive to the people in that country. And in order for a government to provide the needs of poor people, the government must continually get bigger and stronger. It is absolutely impossible for government to continually provide for the, the, the growing population of the people in the country without the government itself getting bigger. And as government gets bigger, it always gets stronger. That, is, that has happened in the United States over the last you know, 100 years plus, 
And it has happened in every nation, in, in every time period throughout human history. We have never, ever seen a government get bigger without getting stronger and becoming more oppressive. It has never happened. We see this going back to the Roman Empire, right? The Roman Empire, the people had more freedom with the, with the representative government, with the Senate. And as the Roman Empire got bigger and stronger, it became more oppressive and it robbed people of their liberty. There's a phenomenal book written by Mark Levin. Uh, to my knowledge, he's not a Christian, uh, but he is a conservative commentator. He wrote a book several years ago uh, called Liberty and Tyranny. It is a fantastic book. He basically explains why conservative laws and conservative values help protect liberty and how if you take away conservatism, it eventually leads to tyranny. He explains it in kind of a very simple terms. This is a must-read book for every North American. Again, it's called Liberty and Tyranny, Tyranny by Mark Levin. But he makes the point in the book that as the government gets bigger, it will become more oppressive and eventually will rob people of their rights and their freedom. I do not believe the government should be providing for poor people because the government will end up hurting poor people and then eventually hurting all people. It is very important that we take care of those who are living in poverty, who are in great need. But I don't want the government doing it. I want individual people doing it. I want individual groups of people doing it. I want groups of communities or local communities to do it. I'm even okay in a very limited sense for individual states to do it. But my favorite group of people that should be doing it the most are churches or faith-based nonprofits. I want people and churches to help the poor. I don't want the government to do it. So I vote and support candidates that will make sure the government doesn't do it, that the go- but, but that the government makes it easier for people and churches to do it. I believe that the government should not be providing for those in poverty, but rather the government should be instituting and protecting the systems that make it easier for individual people or for individual groups of people to help the poor. The government should incentivize people and churches and businesses and organizations to give to the poor and help the poor, but the, but the government should not directly step in and provide for the poor in most cases. And again, the reason is twofold. Number one, because uh, you end up making you know people living in poverty dependent upon you. And then second, your government grows to the point where you eventually end up living under tyranny, where things like freedom and liberty are stripped from people and the government becomes oppressive. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a very long period of time. The third reason I think it's important for the government Uh, to not be the solution to helping people who live in poverty is because I think whenever the government steps in and does that, it ends up impeding upon the thing that is most helpful to poor people in the long term. The most helpful thing to anyone living in poverty over the course of a long period of time is this little thing called capitalism. Now, that doesn't sound popular amongst a lot of people, right? People don't like that idea. But as you study history and every bit of research we can find, capitalism is the greatest solution to fixing the problem of poverty in most parts of the world. And therefore, I don't want the government to step in and get in the way of capitalism. Rather, I want the government to set up the system of capitalism and to protect capitalism to make sure that it can take place in a fair way because I think in the long term that will be the biggest help for the most amount of people.
Recently, the American Enterprise Institute did some great studies where they showed that over the last 20 years in the world, that more than 1 billion people, with a B, more than a billion people have been pulled out of poverty when because they live in nations where free market principles are expanding. All right, I believe capitalism, when done properly, when it is free and fair, will be the best solution to helping poor people. Now, I want to make it clear. The Bible does not explicitly endorse capitalism, all right? The Bible doesn't endorse capitalism or socialism. There are people that want you to that want you to believe that the Bible is teaching one or the other. That is not true on either side. The Bible gives governments the freedom and the authority that is needed to fulfill their God-given role, and that is to enforce justice and to bring order to society. We see that in Romans chapter 13. But I think as we study human history, we, we realize very quickly that capitalism has led to more financial freedom, more prosperity, uh, more liberty, and more help for people living in poverty than any other system in world history. And quite frankly, when you honestly examine the facts, it's not even close. Uh, capitalism and free market system, again, when done properly, is always the best system to help those living in poverty. Are there problems with capitalism? Heck yeah, there are. There's lots of problems with it, right? Is, is there a potential for corruption? Uh, absolutely, yes. There are definitely some some negatives to capitalism in some ways, no doubt. However, when compared to any other system, it is by far the greatest system for, for helping those living in poverty we've ever seen. Like just just consider the recent microfinancing movement, right? We've got lots of NGOs and nonprofits and social benefit corporations going to third world nations. Are are they going there giving away free stuff? No. They're not because they've learned that that's actually harmful to people living in poverty. So what are a lot of these companies, these NGOs and nonprofits within the recent microfinancing movement, what are they doing? Are they going there giving away stuff for free? No, they're bringing job training and they're helping people start businesses, right? Are they going to different governments around the world and telling the governments, you need to give your people free stuff? No, they're not doing that because the studies show that doesn't help. No, what are they doing? They are fighting with governments and protesting governments and telling governments to protect the people's right to engage in free enterprise. Why? Because the stats prove it. History proves it. Free enterprise pulls people out of poverty. And there's definitely some extreme examples from history, right? When we look at North Korea versus South Korea, right? The North was cap was communist, the South was capitalistic. I mean, it's night and day, the prosperity levels and the overall health of the society. It's it's night and day. Our East Germany versus West Germany, right? After the fall of Nazi Germany, East Germany was, was run by the Soviets, West Germany by, uh, by the United States and Western allies. There's capitalism versus socialism on display. Clearly, capitalism won out being a better system to help those living in poverty. And again, Korea and Germany are extreme examples from history, but I think they are relevant to the argument. Where there is a free and a fair enterprise and a free and a fair market, it's helpful to the poor people because the cost of goods will go down. That makes it easier for poor people to buy stuff. And when there's a free and a fair market, businesses grow, which means they need to hire people. That's job creation, right? Free and fair enterprise, free and fair market always helps the poor 
in many ways. So the government needs to be strong enough to protect the system, right? Like I said, capitalism has negatives. There's potential for corruption. There's a potential for exploitation. There's a potential for the abuse of people. There's no doubt. So the government needs to be strong enough to protect the system and to hold businesses accountable when they're being corrupt. That's one of the biggest problems we have in the United States, that our government doesn't do that efficiently, right? Uh, you know, When the government is strong enough to hold people accountable for corruption, it can protect the people. But the government needs to be small enough and limited enough and weak enough where it can never impede upon true free market enterprise and true free market capitalism. I'm just trying to examine the lessons we learn from history. And I think the lessons we learn are very clear that if you really want to help poor people, the, 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 the solution is not to expand the government and give them free stuff. No, that's, that's only a short-term solution. In the long term, the greatest thing you can do is give them opportunities. So how does this play out in my regular life? If I am a Christian and I believe the New Testament and I believe that, that there's a command and a mandate upon all believers to take care of those who are less fortunate, how am I supposed to react to that? Well, I think first you remember that the Bible makes it clear that you are responsible. Take that very seriously. Take that personally. And then realize that there are many things that you can do personally and you should start immediately. And there are many ways you can help people that are living in poverty and you can help people who are poor. Whether that's giving a few bucks to the guy who's begging on the street corner or taking him out to eat or, or if that means I am a part of some local coalition or a homeless shelter or doing some things in my city or my community to help those who are poor, whatever it is, I should be giving to poor people. Me, Kenny Ortiz, I should be writing checks to organizations that help poor people. Or I should be personally helping people that I know that are poor, right? Those of us who want to follow the commands of Jesus should be taking care of those who are less fortunate through things like child sponsorship. Pick an organization that is serving the least of these, both here in the United States and around the world, and personally sacrifice. One of the biggest problems with government provision, when the government does it, it lets us off the hook on a personal level. And I don't want to ever do that. I want to obligate individual people to follow the commands of Jesus. If I claim to care for poor people, maybe I should be adopting a kid from who lives in poverty, whether it's my community or overseas, right? Like if I genuinely care for poor people, then I will be a part of a church that helps the poor and I will demand that my church leadership engage in helping the less fortunate of my community. If I genuinely care for the poor, then I should be personally volunteering with my time and my efforts to helping the poor people through events and nonprofits that are in my area. Like if, if I genuinely care for poor people and I happen to own a business or I'm an influencer within a business, I should be using that business and my influence to, to help poor people, whether that's through job, job training or hiring people or giving to the poor or, or, or helping them start their own businesses or, or whatever. Like I should be using my influence to help people. If, if I truly care for the poor and I happen to be in government, if I'm a politician or an influencer in some way, I should be using that influence to help promote more competition amongst businesses because that's going to drive down the cost of goods that will help poor people. Like If I'm a part of government, I should be using my influence 
to incentivize businesses and organizations and churches to step in and actually meet the need of the poor people. And if I'm a part of government, I should be making sure that we hold accountable the people that are exploiting the capitalistic system for their own gain instead of helping the people. Like If I truly want to help the poor people, I should be supporting a system of government that protects the rights and the liberty of all people and I should vote for candidates that will support for a, that will support limited government because in the long term, limited government, when it is efficient and proper, will do more for helping poor people in the long term than just giving them free stuff. Listen, do I agree with all Republicans or that everything Republicans stand for? No. Okay, I have fierce disagreements with many Republicans and many elements of the Republican Party. Okay, and, and the reality is I think as time goes on, I think I'm going to end up voting Republican less and less with the current direction of the Republican Party. I'm probably going to end up voting third party uh, or, or writing candidates more and more often over the next you know couple elections with the direction of the Republican Party. I have fierce disagreements with the Republican Party. However, in general, overall, I have typically and historically voted Republican because I believe in conservative values and I believe conservatism in the long run will be much more helpful to all people and will certainly be more helpful to poor people. Based on the teachings of the New Testament, I believe it is the responsibility of individual people and individual groups of people and individual local churches to step in and to meet the needs of those living in poverty, both in their local community as well as all around the world. It is our responsibility to step in, not the government's responsibility. What I want from the government is to institute and protect a system that allows for me to step in and to serve and meet the needs of people living in poverty. I don't want the government getting involved because when the government gets involved, eventually the government will get too big and will have the power to become an oppressive government. And that would be devastating to all peoples. The only thing I want from government is to protect the system that allows me and the local church to serve those living in poverty. Before I let you go, let me give you a, a few quick resources that you should definitely check out. Um, I already mentioned the book Liberty and Tyranny by Mark Levin. Fantastic read. Another one I already mentioned in this episode, When Helping Hurts, a absolute must read for all Christians, but especially for pastors and church leaders, you must, must read this book. Um, I'll have links to that on the website. Uh, two other books I'd like to recommend. One of them is a book that I would say you should only read if you want to do some extensive studying. This is a thick book, it, not really for everyone, but if you want to do some deep, deep dive study, a book called Politics According to the Bible by Wayne Grudem. And then the other book I'd like to recommend is a book called God's Politics written by a guy named Jim Wallace. Jim Wallace and I would disagree um, a lot. Jim Wallace uh, is a is an evangelical Christian, an author and speaker who, who typically votes Democrat and believes that the government should be providing for poor people. I disagree with him. I think he is wrong in his in understanding of history and policy, um, but I do respect Jim Wallace in a lot of ways. I think he made some great points. So if you're interested in reading the op opposite perspective of what I presented, a book called God's Politics by Jim Wallace, you can go check that out. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I sure hope this has been helpful and insightful. I hope this encourages you to really think about who you vote for and why you vote for that person. If you have a question you'd like me to address on the podcast, please shoot me an email. It's heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.